Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. text for our meditation this evening is the Gospel reading which we heard from John chapter 12. You may be seated. For more than 30 years now, a Massachusetts man by the name of Scott McCauley has been making Thanksgiving dinner for strangers. It all started in the mid-1980s when Scott's parents got divorced. The marriage didn't end well, and Scott found himself caught in the middle. If he would show any sort of favoritism toward one parent, well, the other would get angry. And so, as October came around and Thanksgiving was just around the corner, he he began to wonder, how is this going to go? What are we going to do for Thanksgiving? I mean, there's absolutely no way that I can have mom and dad both together under the same roof, and I can't go and spend it with one of them without ticking off the other one. But he also couldn't stand the thought of staying home alone on Thanksgiving. So Scott came up with an idea. He did something radical. Took out an ad in the local newspaper inviting to cook Thanksgiving for anyone who might be alone and have nowhere else to go for the holiday. Up to 12 people. A few came. So the next year he did it again and a few more came. And he's been doing it with the exception of 2020, every year since, and now has to use a local church hall to feed almost a hundred people. They come from a wide variety of backgrounds and circumstances, new to town, recently divorced or widowed, refugees from other countries, the homeless, individuals in retirement homes, One year, a lady with Parkinson's disease came. She'd been confined to a nursing home and had not left the facility in seven years. But when she heard about Scott's dinner, she called up an ambulance service and paid them $200 plus mileage. And when the dinner was over and the ambulance came, she cried because she didn't want to leave. Not too many years ago, his own mom and dad actually came. And after being divorced for more than 30 years, sat side by side on the couch and held hands. A gift Scott McCauley has given to the people of his community and a gift he himself has been given by God for hospitality Thanksgiving is sort of an interesting holiday. We don't shoot off fireworks. We don't dress up in goofy costumes and go door to door. We don't color eggs and then hide them to go looking for them again. We simply gather together for a meal and give thanks. 
For what are you the most thankful? On our text for tonight, as people gathered for a meal in Bethany, Mary was most thankful for Jesus. It was six days before the Passover. Mary and Martha and Lazarus were all there along with Jesus and other disciples. Martha is serving, which we know that she does so well. Lazarus, who had not too long before been raised by Jesus from the dead, was there to eat. And in a radical gesture of gratitude, a moving gesture of thanksgiving, Mary takes an ointment, a pound of it, made from pure nard, which would have been worth about a year's salary. 300 denarii, Judas says. She takes this perfume, pours it on Jesus, and begins to wipe his feet with her hair and her tears. The gospel has a way of doing that. In the gospel, not unlike Scott McCauley of Massachusetts, we hear about a God inviting and welcoming strangers. Rebels, sinners, those who are separated from God, who have nowhere else to go, but God invites them to his banquet table. Mary recognizes this, and so she is thankful for Jesus. And what a supper it is. Mary had it had experienced the grace of God firsthand when she received her brother back from the dead. We know that account so well. Lazarus had become ill. They sent for Jesus, and what did Jesus do? Stayed put. He waited, delayed, tarried. And then finally went only after Lazarus had already died. But he went to call him back from the grave. The words of Jesus that day changed everything. He showed that he is the resurrection and the life. He showed himself to be a loving Savior who turns the tables on sin, on death, and the power of the devil. With her dead brother alive again, Mary is overwhelmed by what Jesus has done for her and her family. Mary is thankful for Jesus. Yet even among the supposed faithful, Mary's response draws criticism. For some, her act of devotion only brings to mind what it would cost them. We hear the words of Judas denouncing her act of kindness. Judas criticizes her sharply, publicly. I mean, after all, this, this perfume that is so valuable, it could have been used to help the poor, which John informs us was not really his concern. 
He was really only thinking about how he could have benefited from it. But this wasn't even the first time Mary had been criticized for her faith. Remember the story from Luke 10? In which Jesus comes to the home of Mary and Martha. Martha, so distracted by all of the preparations, all of the work, the serving that, again, we know she's so good at. All the while, Mary, sitting at the feet of Jesus, doing nothing. At least that's the way it looks from the outside. That's certainly the way it looked to Martha, her sister, just sitting there at the feet of Jesus, doing nothing but listening to the words of her Lord. Don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord replied, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what's better, and it will not be taken away from her. Amid all of the ruckus in Luke 10, Mary takes time to listen to Jesus. And perhaps that's why Mary is most thankful for Jesus. What did she hear from him that day? What did she hear from him all the times that she sat or stood and listened to his words? She heard and learned that he, the Christ, would suffer and die and rise for her. When Jesus rebukes Judas, he tells her, as well as everybody else there, leave her alone. She had intended to keep this for the day of my burial. She heard the gospel. The good news of what he would do for her by his death and resurrection. And the gospel has a way of making us thankful. Thankful for Jesus. Because of Jesus, I am a sinner who has been declared righteous before God. The wages of sin is death. But because of Jesus, the gift of God that is eternal life comes to us. But just like Judas and just like Martha, the voices of the world will spurn us for our devotion. It will spurn us that we take time for worship. It tells you the lie that intentionally, willfully committing sin especially despising the preaching and hearing of God's Word, is being a faithful Christian. It will spurn you because you give to the church, saying, God doesn't want you to use your resources in ways that honor Him, demonstrating the fruits of stewardship born from the gospel. No. It'll spurn us because we follow the words of the Lord and not the ways of the world, saying, Jesus wouldn't say this. 
when all along they have not taken the words of our Lord to heart. Because of our sinful flesh, we sometimes cave to these voices. Amid the voices like Martha, amid all the distractions, amid the temptations like the money bag, the activities, the amusements, and the apathy, we are so easily called from the one thing that is truly needed. God's Word that kills our sinful nature and raises us to new life. God's Word that replaces our own ideas with His truth. God's Word which creates in us faith and life and truly thankful hearts. We just aren't committed enough, it seems, to bear our children's anger when we make them get out of bed or miss an activity to gather around the words of Jesus. We aren't committed enough to forget for one hour all the things that have to get done. We use any and every excuse Martin Luther once said, the sin underneath all of our sins is to trust the lie of the serpent, that we cannot trust the love and grace of Christ and must take matters into our own hands. How can we separate ourselves from his care and keeping, from his direction and urging, from his forgiveness and healing? We can't or shouldn't. Remember Scott McCauley, that Massachusetts man who's cooked Thanksgiving dinner for all of those strangers over the last 30-plus years? He had this to say once when asked about it. Most of the people who come don't know who I am. They know that there's some skinny guy in the kitchen, but they don't know my name. I think the theme of my life and everything I do could be summed up with the name of an old hymn called Brighten the Corner Where You Are. I hope my legacy will be that I came into the world, I brightened the corner, and then I quietly left the world unnoticed. Our Lord's love goes beyond just casual forgiveness. Our Lord's death goes beyond just mere sacrifice. And our Lord's life goes beyond just good news. He should not go unnoticed or unappreciated, though our old Adam wants just that. To appreciate Jesus just enough that we can move further and further away. But true thankfulness for someone doesn't mean cutting them out of your life. In many ways, thankfulness demonstrates that we need that person in our life. And oh, how we need Jesus. Without Him, we face spiritual death. Without the voice of Jesus, Lazarus would have stayed in that tomb. Without the voice of Jesus, Mary would never have come to know Jesus to be the Son of God who had come into the world. Without the words of Jesus, she wouldn't know of a God who loved her enough to suffer and die to take away her sin. Without the words 
of Jesus and the Holy Spirit working through that word, Mary would never have had the inkling to set aside that nard for burial because she wouldn't have known anything about it. She wouldn't have had the impulse to use something so special and expensive because the value of Jesus as so much greater wouldn't have been apparent with so many distracting voices, including our own, we need desperately to gather around the words of Jesus. Thanks be to God that Jesus came into the world. Thanks be to God that in His coming into the world, Jesus didn't just brighten the corner where He was, but indeed He brought forgiveness of sins, life, and immortality to life by His death and resurrection so that we could know the joy and the peace that comes from sins forgiven and life that lasts forever. And so we gather here, not just around His Word, but around Jesus Himself. Remembering that He has promised to be with us through very specific means. As we gather every week in this sanctuary or in one at your home where you may live, where we have the opportunity to gather around Jesus, to sit at His feet, to hear His Word as it is preached, to receive from His hand a meal for our forgiveness, life, and salvation. Every worship service, we gather around a Christ who promises to be right here among us. And He isn't just here in spirit or in theory. He is here. Every bit as much as He was there at that table in Bethany. And just like it did for Mary, the gospel makes us want to be near Jesus, to give thanks to God for Him. And so if you are thankful for Jesus, thank Jesus for that. Let us pray. O Christ, we are so thankful for you. You have suffered great affliction and have borne it patiently, even death by crucifixion, fully to atone for me. You did choose to be tormented that my doom should be prevented. Thousand, thousand thanks are due, dearest Jesus, unto you. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.